is episode 61 of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. I am Joe Sebelia, and welcome to the show. My guest on this episode is musician Steve Conti. Steve has played in uh, bands such as the New York Dolls. He's currently playing with Michael Monroe. He started a band with his brother called Company of Wolves that you may have heard of from the, that was probably the early 90s. And uh, he also has a solo career and has a brand new single out called Recovery Doll. Fantastic song. I definitely urge you to go check it out. Now, Steve and I had some technical issues with the phones, but you know what? We got past that just like any professionals would do. We had a great conversation about Steve's childhood growing up in New York City, the New York Dolls, Michael Monroe, all of his solo ventures. And of course, we talked about uh, his new single, Recovery Doll. I hope you enjoy this episode, and I hope you are enjoying the previous episodes. So if you are, please go over to uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and uh, give us a uh, give us a rating over there. A lot of them do the star ratings. So go ahead and, and give us a rating. And if you're really, uh, really liking the podcast, go ahead and write a little review for me to read. You can also follow the show on all social media at R&R Coffee Show. Probably most active on Instagram, though, so if you do have Instagram and want to follow the show, find us on there, at R&R Coffee Show. Oh, and one more thing that, you know, I don't really talk about too much, but uh, we do have a website. It is, what is the website? rnrcoffeeshow.com. So rnrcoffeeshow.com. Over there, you can find all our past episodes, a little bit of information about myself and the show. And also a little merch store over there. So if you're feeling like supporting the show with a shirt or something, that's where you would get it. Again, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello. Joe Sebelia. Steve Conti. Hey, man. How are you? <laughs> What's up, buddy? How you doing, bro? I'm doing is, good. Is this, is, is, it, is this okay? Does this sound good, or should I plug in a micro, uh, like an ear microphone? Um, I don't know. Why don't you plug it in? We'll see what that sounds like. Well, actually, here's the mouthpiece. I think it'd be better with that. Sorry, man. I should have set up before I called you. Yeah, no worries. How are you, man? How are you? What's happening? Oh, man. When did... What's that? Where are you at? Where are you at? Are you in New York? No, I'm in uh, South Carolina, in the Myrtle Beach area. Oh, right on. You familiar with it? Down there. I was just down there. Um, well, we, we were in Charleston, actually. Okay, yeah. That's about two hours from me. You just vacationing yeah. there? I was just driving through on my way to uh, Florida. Okay, what part of Florida? I was just a little family vacay. Okay. Um, near Clearwater. <laughs> That's where I grew sure. up in the St. Petersburg area. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, um, so it's, it was. Uh, it was nice. Nice and hot That's down there. Uh, it was. It was hot down there. Yeah, this was back in <laughs> March. Oh, okay. Hey, you're cutting, Joe, you're cutting in and out, so I don't know if it's your, is it our connection? Let me see. I have two out of four bars, so it's not great, but uh-huh. um, yeah. your voice just cuts out. Does my voice cut out on N- your end? No, it's not cutting out. I mean, I can hear you. All right. Well, you know, you're the one recording it, so are you recording or are you, are you, are you jotting stuff down or what happened? Oh, yeah, we're recording. We're recording right now, as a matter of fact. Oh. Oh, cool. All right. <laughs> I just let it roll. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll behave myself then. Uh, you're free to do whatever. Wait, m- let me make sure I'm recording. Hold on. Yeah, I'm recording. 
You ever go in the studio and uh, didn't hit the record button? Have I ever been in the studio and hit the record <laughs> button once or twice? Oh, yeah. shit. All right. Um, oh, man. Yeah, a lot. Le- it seems like a lot lately. Yeah. <laughs> there hasn't been much else to do. You can't actually step on a stage. Right. So I haven't played. I haven't played for 15 months. And then, well, last week I played for the first time. How like, how did that feel? With, with drums and, you know, electric and rocking. You know, it was freaking great. Was it to a full crowd? Yeah, I was, I don't know. I'm, you know, everything is socially distanced and, you know, they only had a certain amount of tickets they could sell. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it was just a, it was a fun gig with uh, my brother, who's a killer bass player and uh, we have played with since we were preteens, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, in so many different bands, and uh, our drummer friend Rich Pagano, who we've also done a lot of playing with, he's played on our Conti Brothers records, and um, yeah, so we just kind of went through our childhood, you know, record collection, you know, the Who, Stones, you know, R&B, Wilson Pickett, you know. Nice. Now, you grew up with music, correct? Sorry, go ahead. You, you grew up around music, like your family was had a musical background, correct? That's right. Yeah, my mom. Uh, her dad, so my grandfather and his brothers had a band. My grandfather played upright bass. His two brothers played guitar and banjo. And then they had a couple other guys in the band that weren't related. But um, my mother, you know, saw that growing up. And then she got into jazz in the 50s, uh, Billie Holiday style, you know, that kind of jazz and uh and then she took a break when she had us kids for a bit and then she went back to work um and i she you know raised me and my brother to play with her so so we uh we know all those all those old tunes which is kind of cool for a rock and roll guy so you guys were your your mom's like backing band oh yeah how for fun, years how fun was that well you know it's fun it's uh it's cool and then it's also you know you're t- yet you know taking more orders from your mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i thought i was i thought i was over that mom when i turned 18 you know <laughs> uh, so learning but, uh, no, so it's all, it's all good i mean actually it really did teach me professionalism of like especially you know dealing with you know singers you know backing up singers female right. singers in in specific but um but any kind of singer, you know, being sensitive to playing behind a singer, you know. Yeah, you yeah. Know, a lot of great guitar players that just get up there and they just play what they want to play. They don't even listen to the singer. You know, you got wait when you're, you know, playing behind somebody. You have to to be a sensitive musician. You know, you got to feel what's going on and work together. Right. Anyway, so but I digress. So learning, you know, growing up with jazz, that had to really help your playing, huh? Well, help or hurt, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I love, I still play, you know, all the time. I mean, I went through a period where I didn't do anything else but play jazz, you know, um, for about, I don't know, almost 10 years. And uh, then I had to eat. You know? Right. Uh, I mean, if you're not like the best of the best, you know, which I, I went to school with some guys that were, you know, they're huge now, Terrence Blanchard. He's one of my classmates. He does all Spike Lee's movies. Then he's an amazing player, trumpet player. Uh-huh. But um, 
yeah, it, you know, you got to be on that. I knew I wasn't going to be on that level, you know, in that genre of music, but I could be on, on a very high level in uh, rock and roll and, and um, you know, other kinds. I play all kinds of, you know, R&B and soul and blues and yeah, funk and, you know, hard rock and punk rock and classic rock and singer songwriter and folk and, you know. You're right. I mean, you got to do it all. I mean, I did it, you know, started out listening to Dylan and, you know, so getting the acoustic stuff together first, which I think is really important because, you know, a lot of guys just want to grab a guitar and wee wee, you know, on lead. Right. They don't learn to play a song. If you play or write or back somebody up, you know, your rhythm has to be first. Yeah. Yeah. You know, know? there's a lot of guitar players out there that, um, you know, are amazing guitarists, but when it comes to the songwriting part, they're lacking that, I think. Well, uh, I mean, it's, it's not for everybody. You know, there's some great guitar players out there that probably, you know, can't. I mean, I mean, you got your Steve Vai, Satriani kind of guys that write their own really cool instrumental stuff. But, you know, I don't know what, what genre of music we're talking about here. But, uh, you know, if you mean like vocal songs, I mean, you know, it's... It's kind of rare that, you know, you get, uh, you get like your Clapton's, your Hendrix's, you know, guys that right. sing and write and play. You got Clapton, you got, you know, lead guitar player, lead singer, songwriter, you know, yeah, Jimmy yeah. Hendrix, you so, know, Mark Knopfler, Steve Conti. Yeah. <laughs> there you uh, go. So when you were um, um, growing up and then you were into the playing the jazz and stuff, when did you move into the rock and roll or was that always there? With the jazz. Oh no, that was that was there from from childhood. I started playing guitar at first. I was a drummer. A drummer. I was a drummer from uh, age seven. Well, yeah, I'm still a, some sort of drummer, but um, I was really like studying. I wanted to be Ringo, and then I wanted to be John Bonham, and um, I probably stopped. I I picked up guitar at eleven. So I'd been playing like five years and I picked up my brother's guitar and figured out how to write songs. I was like, well, screw these drums, man, because I, I don't want to be stuck sitting in the back. I need to be up front. So I started playing guitar, but I, I was still playing drums all along too, up till I was about probably 16, okay. 17. And then, uh, then I really felt like I had to choose, you know, it was the same thing with like school. I was really good. In, I think I was really good anyway. <laughs> In art, it was like I felt at one point I have to make a choice, art or music, you know, which mm. is it. Yeah. And, uh, boy, I made the right choice for sure. Yeah, I had a, I made, a, I had to make a choice also, but mine was between music and baseball, and I chose music. Not sure I made the right choice. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, I, if, I, it, I, if it makes your heart happy, you know, I mean, it, if you could have been a professional baseball player and making millions a year, okay, then you're stupid. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 you no, know, but, you uh, know, I had a fun music career. Seriously, yeah. You know, if if that's what fucking feeds your, you know, your heart, your soul, and you enjoy what you do. I mean, I'm sure you would have enjoyed baseball too and, and making millions. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Where it led. You know? <laughs> um, the road not taken, you know, you never know. You never know, right? I guess what you don't know won't hurt you. Exactly. Isn't that how I, mean, I, goes? Take it, I take it you're happy now with what you're doing. Yeah, man. Yeah, I got. I'm good. I still play. I still play. I'm just not. It's not my career. You know what I mean? Well, do you um, do you these interviews? 
like we're doing right now. And, mm-hmm. and hi, everybody out there in podcast land, by the <laughs> way. Um, but uh, do you edit them or are they uh, straight through? Usually not. I just straight through. Okay. What? Unless you want me to something, tell me. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I haven't said anything dumb yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, usually I've had to edit one or two here and there, you know, for something that shouldn't really been in there. But other than that, no, I, I just let it go. It's just, a, just a conversation. Oh, good. So, uh, so, so, Joe, you, I got to be honest. I, I don't know that much about the Rock and Roll Coffee Show. I should have done my homework a little better. But you should have. Where can people um, <laughs> hear you? Anywhere, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, I don't do the YouTube thing because this is not a video podcast. Um, so like it's, you Apple know, Podcasts, I mean, like if I go to the yeah. Apple. Yeah, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, uh, Google, oh, right. any of them. Okay. And if you search cool. the rock and roll, rock and, not and, and, rock and yep. roll and coffee show. And it, and oh, rock and roll and coffee. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like I coffee? I wrong. But um, well, cool. I'm sure you'll let me know when it broadcasts so I can share it around. Yeah, and I'll send you links and all that fun stuff. But let, let, so, let's, uh, let's get back to you. What, um, so, so you were doing the jazz and then playing with your brother. And did you guys form your first band together outside of your mom? Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we made our first original album of all original songs. I think it was 11 original songs when we were 10, 11 years old. And we recorded it in, the, in our living room with one cassette player. And we had to like position ourselves around the cassette player, which had like a built-in mic. But right. we had to set the drums way at the back of the room. And then the, whoever was playing acoustic guitar had to be right up on front, you know, right up in front <laughs> of the mic. And, and then if you were singing, that same person was singing, they had to kind of back their head off of the mic so they didn't blow it up. Oh. So like we had to do a bunch of tests. But right. I mean, it sounds amazingly balanced for you know a bunch of kids that didn't know what they were doing. And the songs were so innocent and and sweet and actually pretty damn good if i say so myself <laughs> very catchy um, i've thought a number of times about me and my brother getting together and re-recording those songs again you know as like old men yeah yeah i was gonna you know, ask do, like you, the, do you still have the tapes we, we did when we were like you know 10 11 years old do you still have Crazy. the tape oh yeah i got the tape you do man oh yeah that, that's amazing yeah. In fact, one of the songs, uh, my brother and I had this band called Crown Jewels, and one of the songs called Peace is on our album Linoleum, which is everywhere. You can find it on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon. You probably can find everywhere. it on YouTube. Yeah. The album is called Linoleum, and it's uh, by the band Crown Jewels, and, and the song is Peace. And that's from that album that I did when I was 10 years old. It's one like maybe 30 second long piece really i'm gonna look that up yeah yeah that's awesome so what year was this where where are we at in this timeline uh roughly my brother's 11 i mean i'm sorry i'm 11 my brother's 10 and we had the neighborhood kid who played uh his, his dad was a doctor so he had like all the good equipment he had like organs and uh and electric guitars. We just had an acoustic guitar that you would stick a microphone in to, to like make it to sound distorted and come out of the speaker. Yeah. A lot of guys did that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a great time. But, you know, 
from there, I think we played like one folk festival and then, you know, kids. We just kind of grew up and grew out of each other and started another band. And my brother started his own band and I started my own band. You know, mm. and we just went on like that, playing all the, the local places you can play, like any, uh, probably like any kid in any band ever. You know, you play the local swim club, you play the, the teen center, the high school dances, the right, right. bands, you know. And, uh, and then eventually uh, you grow up and you, <laughs> you move to the big city and try and do now, something for real. Now, were you yeah. in New York City this whole time? That's where you grew up, right? Uh, no, originally my family's from upstate New York. Okay. I went to school up in like Buffalo and, and right outside of Buffalo until I was about nine. Then we moved to 50 minutes outside of Manhattan in New, central New Jersey. Okay. Called Madawan. And uh, I grew up there and took the train in all the time to the city to see, you know, Zeppelin and Madison Square Garden and, you know, so many great shows. Man. I must have been yeah, back in the day, man. In the yeah, you know, yeah, late seventies. So um, it was great times. So you were around there when the when the New York Dolls and and Ramones and all that were coming up. Well, I was a kid. We're, I mean, okay. well, the Dolls and the Ramones are are pretty far apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Dolls yeah. were like seventy two. Well, not that far apart, actually. Dolls were like 72, Ramones were about 75, I guess. But they really kind of... Yeah, all in that same time. It, kind of in, yeah. the, in the mid-70s kind of thing. Yeah, like the uh, Max's Kansas City. I mean, I was too young. I, I was living in okay. New Jersey, and, and by the time the Dolls were broken up, I was a kid. You know, I wasn't even driving yet. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, there was no way I could go into this. I mean, I could have gone in, but I could have gotten into clubs, you know. But I used to read a magazine called Rock Scene, and I would see everything that was going on. This was the late 70s, so um, still too young to go. And, you know, probably a good thing that I, I didn't go there because uh, I was I was experimenting with all kinds of stuff. And sure. who knows where I might have ended up if right. I had been hanging out with that bunch, you know. Right, right. So when did you first get into like start getting real serious about music, like finding your starting to find your way? I mean, I guess you really don't get serious about anything until you're out of high school and you you go, whoa. But I did have one of those moments uh, where, you know, right after high school, I thought, oh, I'm going to work for a while. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm going to take it easy. I'm just going to party. I'm going to you know, work. I was painting houses, you know, outside the houses exteriors well not interiors too and um just kind of going nowhere and when i looked at it i was like uh just kind of marking time before i had to figure out what to do with right what am i gonna am i gonna do something with music am i gonna move into the city am i gonna you know it's only like i said 50 minutes but you know that 15 minutes is like epic when you're sure when you're a kid, you know, just out of high school, and you're like, man, am I going to, like, move into New York? I don't know. I mean, my father lived there then. But, uh, yeah, I opted to stay. Oh, so what happened was one night, you know, I a particularly hard night of, of partying. I woke up the next morning on the lawn of a local uh, community college with, you know, in the blazing sun with my nose pouring blood. Uh. 
I said, what am I doing here? This must be a sign. I'm on the lawn of this college. You know? uh, that's it. And the next day, I, I quit you know, all my substances and uh, enrolled in school and started studying with a jazz guitar teacher. And that's kind of when it started, 19. Wow. That, that's impressive. What's that? That's impressive. Just one. Yeah. Just and, you know, I figured, uh, you know, uh, I might as well OD on music instead of, uh, you know, all the close calls I had with uh, other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then how it's did amazing you. amazing I'm alive. And then how did you get your name around? Like, how did you start lining up gigs? You're kind of in a, I don't know if you somehow just find yourself in a community of people, but, you know, eventually, you know, people gravitate towards each other in a little scene. You know, I used to go to these like jams on Bleecker Street in New York City when I first got to town and Kenny's Castaways and this club there and, and the bitter end. And, um, you know, people just go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, let's let's jam, you know. Mm-hmm. There'd be like these Monday night jams, and, and I used to go down every Monday night and play behind people, and then eventually I'd get to sing one, and, you know, you meet people that way, and then eventually you're in a scene, you, I don't know, you, you're hanging out in the right places. Sure. I don't mean like, uh, you know, fancy scenes or anything like that, but. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Where, where musicians go, you know, shows, concerts, whatever, rehearsal places, you know, you meet other musicians at rehearsal studios, recording studios, of course. Mm-hmm. So you never know where you're going to meet somebody. And, you know, I remember when I first moved to New York, it's like, it seemed like this insurmountable, you know, thing where like only these hallowed, you know, people came from, you know, the, uh-huh. You know, the greats of, of you know New York studio musicians and New York you know stars and rock stars and pop stars and you know but uh, I'm not saying I'm in that world now but there's uh, I play with a lot of those people that I looked up to you know like yeah. Will Lee from the Letterman Show at bass and like all these great jazz guys I mean I've I've played with them you know yeah like Steve, Steve Gadd you know Paul Simon. I've I worked with these guys. I used to listen to their records when I was, you know, eight years old, and, and now here I am, yeah, you know, singing with Paul Simon. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, you ever and think Peter Wolf too? Peter Wolf, I, he was my one of my childhood heroes. You know, from Jay Giles Band. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you ever think to, to yourself when you're play, playing, play and sing on his record? I, we jammed. We're like we call each other now. It's like it's surreal, <laughs> man. You know. <laughs> But it happens when you're on a scene uh, long enough, you know, you stick around and people pass your name around and you get called for stuff. And and that's how I got the Dolls gig, you know. So people just, uh, you know, you have a reputation and it uh, hopefully uh, it's a good one. Yeah, hopefully it's a good one, right? So was this was all in what, like the eighties? What the Dolls? No, no. When when you're playing around with all these different people and you know getting your name out there. Yeah, I moved to New York in like '86. Okay, because you, when but, did but, you... But I was kind of hanging around, and uh, I played New York for the first time in 84, and um, then I really started, I had got a girlfriend in 85 that was lived in town, so I was in town most of the time, 85, and eventually I got a place in 86, and then, uh, yeah, I, was, uh-huh. I lived in Manhattan until 2016, so 30 years. Yeah, so you did you start um, Company of Wolves up there? Yeah, I was in town for about uh, two years when my blues band, we 
uh, called the Hudson River Rats. We had a steady Wednesday night for like two years at this club, and all these stars would come down and sing with us eventually, like um, Cindy Lauper and Carol King and Willie Deville, David Johansson when he was Buster. Um, you know, tons of people, um, Phoebe Snow, and um, the guy who ran the it was like it was like a jam night. Like my my blues band opened up, and then we had very few select people that we rehearsed with and screened. You know, it wasn't like anybody could jump up. Mm-hmm. But they would get up and sing with us. I mean, we played behind all kinds of great singers and studio musicians would come, and it, it was like a scene of like the the cream of of new york session people and and, you know live people and and theater that's not broadway but you know like backup singers for you know share or whatever yeah i mean like people with pro gigs sounds like it was a great time i just moved to town and and then uh this guy jeff kent who ran the thing he said hey man i got this friend um his name is keith and you know he, he writes really good stuff and you know you guys really hit it off. You guys try and write something together. So he came to this blues night and he sang a tune and we kind of connected and uh, he, the next day or week, whatever, he came over in my house and we wrote, uh, I, don't, I don't know how familiar with Company Wolf's catalog you are, but we wrote the song The Distance, which was our second single from mm-hmm. Mercury. Mm-hmm. We wrote that the first time we got together. That was the first song we ever wrote. And right. then uh, we wrote maybe... Over the next month or two, you know, five, six more, we're like, hey, man, let's start a band. So, yeah, that started around 1988. Okay. And that was with your brother was in that band too, right? Yeah. My brother was in the blues band. My brother was in the uh, in the Wolves, of course. Yeah. And... See, I remember Company of Wolves um, from that 80s scene. I, I was into all the, you know, the 80s rock music and stuff. And I remember that album came out i think the album was like uh wasn't it like gray or something with the faces on <laughs> yes, there it was gray. yeah something like that yeah. we, we, we did not want it to be gray but no uh we, we did <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was one of those you know live and learn situations yeah yeah but i i remember it and i think you had some, a little bit of mtv play too right yeah we got the lunar rotation <laughs> now that that band wasn't around too long if i recall uh, we did the the first album for Mercury in 1990, and then um, in 92, we were getting ready to put out a second record, and everything changed at the record company. A new guy came in. Who, yeah. Uh, was really into the new R&B, like, you know, Tony, 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 and Vanessa Williams, and all this kind of, yeah, where were we going to fit in with, you know, a guy that liked that kind of stuff, and you know, we weren't a big seller anyway. So right. I think he just came in and said, you know, I want to turn it more into an R&B label like Mercury used to be back in the 50s, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, you know, anybody that wasn't selling whatever, half a million records or whatever it was, the number, um, he just kind of let go. Okay. And so, uh, so yeah, so uh, and we sort of uh, looked around to see uh we could get another deal and Seattle happened and everybody was flocking to Seattle mm-hmm. and looking for, you know, guys with long beards and short pants and, you know, flannels. And you didn't want to wear a flannel and uh, shorts and combat boots. 
What's that? <laughs> you didn't want to put on a flannel and uh, wear some shorts and a combat boots? I always loved flannels. You know, I wore <laughs> flannels in high school. But, um, <laughs> yeah, when it became like a style like that, it was it was kind of funny. I, I mean, I, I did wear flannels. I, I, w- I would wear like... You know, a purple flannel with black stripes, though. It wouldn't be like the uh, lumberjack. Thing, right. You know? um, but uh, and it was a weird time. You know, you, you saw like bands that were like glammy rock and roll bands all of a sudden just get grungy, like stop shaving and, mm. you know, you know, wear T-shirts and, uh, yeah, combat boots and shorts, you know. Yeah. And then- um, but... Uh, Anyway, that was, uh, yeah, so we didn't get signed because uh, everything, Nirvana changed everything. It was a complete game changer. Right. And, you know, I, and I, I dug him, but um, that was kind of the last uh, wave of rock and roll that happened. And then the boy band thing happened. And then, uh, you know, you just get further and further out of the, the mainstream. You know, rock used to dominate. Yeah. Like, it was the, the main form of pop music in the world. You know, it was like, those were the days. Turn on, the, turn on the radio, you know, FM radio would be Zeppelin, The Who, and, you know, The Stones. And, you know, now it's whoever. I, I can't, uh, I don't remember the last time I listened to like a radio station. Yeah. Not the bitch, though. I mean, I know uh, there is some good stuff out there. My, you know, I, I keep up on what's happening. My 12 year old kid. You know, he turned me on to the 21 Pilots, which I've been digging a mm-hmm. lot lately. I don't know if you heard them, but, yeah, you know, not totally in, not a guitar band, not a the dude can sing pretty damn good. And, and the lyrics are crazy. Right. But uh, so then you you did a few more things uh, with your brother and then you ended up in the New York Dolls in what round was that early 2000s? 2004. Okay. And how did you hook that gig up? Oh, like I said before, that's how I got the call, you know, just same way around this crazy town long enough and have a good reputation. You know, people asked, uh, David Joe asked some people, um, putting the dolls back together. Who should I call? And he asked some respected guitar friends of his and they both two or three different people, I guess said, uh, just call Conti. Don't call anybody else. He's your guy. Yeah. So he called me. We had lunch. And uh, at the end of lunch, he uh, handed me a couple of CDs and some sheet music. <laughs> and he said, do you want to do this gig in London? And I said, yeah, let's do it. Just like that? that? You didn't have we, to... never even played, we never even played a note of music together. Wow. Were you nervous? No. No? You were ready to go? Yeah, I mean, by that point, you know, it's not like being starstruck. I mean, you know, it was pretty cool. But, yeah. you know, by that point, I had toured with Willie DeVille. I had worked with Paul Simon. I had done records with Billy Squire or Peter Wolf. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So you, you know, got not that, that all out of like, the way. They were, were my, like, absolute icon heroes or anything. But, you know, all pretty well-known dudes, you know what I mean? Successful and so... You know, it was not, not a big deal. So you ended and, up being uh, in the band for uh, quite a few years after that then. Uh, 2010 was my last yeah. New York Doll gig. So about six years? Say again? So about six years there. 
Six years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, when you when you came into the band like New York Dolls, um, did you when you were learning the songs? Did you stay to the how the songs were written, or did you add your own taste of Steve Conti in there? Well, my main objective was to not change the sound of the band too much to be uh, to reflect like my ego or something. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. I-, I wanted to be. I wasn't a, I didn't grow up a Johnny Thunders disciple or fan or anything uh-huh. like that. So I just learned his parts for the first time when I listened to those records, you know. I didn't I wasn't really that aware of him, you know. Okay. I mean, I knew the name of the band, of course. I knew I mean, I have a whole story if if you got about 2 hours here, but uh, <laughs> I'll skip to the, you know, I I, I had brushes with family of the dolls and sylvain it's like a whole twisted thing from when i was a kid um <laughs> do you know the history of the dolls at all you know i was never like a huge new york dolls fan i liked them i had a, a couple of their cassette tapes but i don't i don't know like their backstory and all that kind of stuff well i've, I've uh opened the pandora's box nah, you're the- good <laughs> I mean, now I got to tell you, but go ahead. Uh, I mean, it's not a huge deal, but Billy Mercia, the original drummer of the New York Dolls, he died uh, in London when they were the, like, they were just taken off and they were like on their way to play Wembley Pool or something with the faces. I, I don't remember the order of, of gigs. They were there to do some tour. And uh, Billy Mercia, the drummer, died. Uh, overdose of uh, downers and and booze in a bathtub. He, or he drowned. No, that's what it was. He drowned. Mm. The girls were. He was like in a. He was comatose, and the girls were trying to pour coffee down his throat, and he drowned. Oh, jeez. Uh, anyway, so then um, in came Jerry Nolan, the drummer that the dolls are famous for having. But they were already on their way with this guy. So anyway, this guy's family moves to my town. Matawan, New Jersey, when I'm like a 15-year-old kid. And here's uh, Billy Mercia's brother, Alphonse, would say he would uh, walk down the highway by himself, like talking to himself. He kind of reminded me of an acid casualty. Long, curly, black hair, gigantic bell-bottoms, and huge high heels, you know. Yeah. This is like late 70s. And he would go, hey, man, you know who you look like? I said, who? He goes, my, my name is Alphonse Mercy. I'm from Colombia. And, and you look like Johnny Thunders. I said, who's Johnny who? And he said, Johnny Thunders from the New York Dolls. He would bring all the records over to my house. And that's where I first learned about Sylvain uh, and, and his brother Billy. And how David Bowie wrote a song for his brother. And you know, it's all, this is all well documented. You know? uh-huh. Um. It's on that Aladdin Sane album by Bowie. And, uh, yeah. And then 20 years later, whatever, you know, I get the call from David. And so I was, wow. I was kind of, uh, uh, I was aware of them, but I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't listen to them and I didn't really listen to that kind of music. You know, I've since come to appreciate sure all, you know, their whole catalog, of course. And, yeah, and other bands like them bands that they listen to and girl groups, you know. I get I get a lot off of every person I work with. You know, turns me on to something. 
you know, that I didn't know before. Mm. So it's always good. Good. You think uh, the dolls should be in the Hall of Fame? That's not up to me, man. (laughs) If it was your, if, I mean, you don't have to answer that. That's kind of a tough question, but. (laughs) I mean, why not? If they want to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, if they did, it would probably be for the original five guys. I I would have no, uh, you know, stake in it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, except to say, hey, I'm I'm playing in a band. It's not with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But um, I don't even think David Johansson cares about it very much. Yeah, probably I'm sure Sylvain would have loved it, you know. So, uh, you know, he passed away a few months ago and uh, Mm -hmm. met that guy dearly. But... um, yeah, I think he would have been uh, excited that they were nominated again. I think the second time they've been nominated. Yeah, but, I think uh, so. Get in, so. They might. We'll see. Um, so you were in the Dolls up till 2010, and then you ended up with Michael Monroe. Yep. And was that yeah. kind of the same and situation? I'm, he, and I'm, go ahead. I didn't hear your question, Sergeant. No, I was. Is that was that kind of the same situation? Like he was looking for a guitar player and. There you were. That's usually the way it works. <laughs> I didn't force myself on it. Yeah. Um, well, uh, what happened was there was a there was a whole other band. Um, it was Michael and Sammy. It was Yaffa and Monroe, and uh, they had. I think they went through a bunch of different guitar players. But it seemed like this, the steady one was Ginger, Ginger Wildheart mm-hmm. from the Wildhearts. Great band, Wildhearts. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Ginger was there, and I think they had Richard Fortas from who's in Guns N' Roses now. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, they had him, and they had this guy Todd Youth, who passed away recently. He's like a New York hardcore kind of guy. Um, and they had a drummer, Jimmy Clark. Because Michael and Sammy and Jimmy Clark uh, had this band, Demolition 23. So Jimmy was in there originally. And then by the time, you know, I guess the band went through some, whatever, growing pains. And um, they decided to get Carl instead of Jimmy Clark. And um, I played, I don't know if you know who Jimmy is, but I played uh, with Jimmy years before um, it, with a guy called Glenn Burtnick from uh, Joyzy, hmm. talented songwriter, but uh, he was on uh, Geffen Records. But um, so then they got Rockfist in there, Carl Rockfist, and then uh, Todd Youth left, and the guitar chair opened up. So Sammy, knowing me from the Dolls, of course, called me, and uh, I was in. Nice. I mean, I played, I played like a week with them, and. Uh, and they liked me and offered me the gig. And that was it. I've been there freaking 10 years already now. Or 11. But it's great because I get to write songs, produce records, and, you know, it's good. Yeah. Do you do a lot of the writing? It's creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That whole Horns and Halos album, um, I think uh, that was the one I did the most, uh, my best work on i believe because uh ballad of lower east side is the most played michael monroe song uh, on spotify it's got a million something mm-hmm. when you're um, 
when you're writing a song, do you nowadays you don't even think about radio when you're writing a song, do you? Um, depends about the kind of song, you know. If it's mm-hmm. a pop song, I, I I wouldn't want to ruin my chance. If I thought it could be a radio song, um, I wouldn't want to ruin my chances of it by going like fuck you of course <laughs> right. Yeah. right but um you might have to cut that out i don't know how you're no no you can say whatever you want. Is. yeah um but uh yeah i mean i love pop pop songs and i don't mean like um the pop necessarily it's on the radio now yeah but, no uh, i know what you mean you know uh singable melodies you know what i mean mm-hmm when you um, and you do when you write do you write are you um i mean what's your writing process are you do you start with like trying to find a good hooky chorus or you just come up with a riff and go off that i mean how do you go into your writing always different mm-hmm. uh you know sometimes it starts with a phrase sometimes it starts with an entire line sometimes it starts uh, with a concept um, sometimes it starts with a melody sometimes it starts with a guitar riff sometimes it starts with a drum beat you know yes yeah, whatever whatever happens that day that moment you know when i'm trying to write though for something you know if i know i like if i have to write for michael i know he'll only sing certain types of things so you know i really have to pay attention to I mean, sometimes I just, I, I was going to say, I, I, I pay attention to lyric subject matter, you know, more uh-huh. like targeted, focused when I'm doing it. But if I'm just like writing and it's the best kind, it's just free form, you know, no rules, just let it, let it out. Just go know? for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I, I, I will still present sometimes something really cool and rock. And I, hey, Michael might this is weird enough for Michael might do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I might present that to him, but if I'm like trying to write a song for him, um, yeah, I'm really, uh, kind of more focused on what he will sing. So I'll, I'll focus more on the lyrics. Okay. And do you have a catalog of songs that you've presented to Michael or back with the New York? Oh dolls? yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. With the dolls. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, in fact, uh, my latest single for, um, Wicked Cool Records, which I hope we're going to get to. That's what so, I was leading up I've to, been yes. Chewing, I've been chewing your ear off for about 45 <laughs> no, minutes. You know, with this um, show, I like to hear you. I, I like to learn some stuff about you also as well as what you're doing now. You know what I mean? So it's good. Hello? So, yeah, so Recovery Doll, that's what I was leading up to um, because I think you did give that song to the, some of those guys, right? Yeah, it wasn't called that. Um, and... Uh, you know, but basically, it was still the. You know that main yeah. riff, and uh, and the verse. It just had different lyrics, and there was no umbop shabop. But so you know, maybe waiting all those years and rewriting the lyrics and adding the umbop shabop is just what it needed to uh, be worthy of recording and, and you know I, I had no idea that Stephen Van Zant would would pick that as the single but okay <laughs> so you know? so you this is not your first time with Stevie right uh I did give me give me rockaway my single from 2017 with him 
And uh, now we have a full-length album coming in the fall, but this right now my single Recovery Doll is out. Right, right. And yeah, it's a very uh, catchy. I, the Um Bop Shabops. That's brilliant, by the way. That really works well, in there. Nice, <laughs> nice. It's not like I invented it. I know, but, but you know, <laughs> it, it fit. It fits pretty, pretty good in there. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, that's all. It's all it needs to just breathe a little life into an old, you know, ten-year-old. I mean, I, I guess I wrote that in two thousand four or five. It's one of the things I presented first to David Joe. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so I don't know, do the math there. What is that? Four, 14, okay. yeah, I think 16 years old, but, you know, the track. But then, you know, I got the idea to, about the lyric and recovery doll became, it just fell off my tongue one day and went, oh, that's, that should be what's there now. What can I make the song about? Oh, of course, you know, thinking about all these the people that I know mm-hmm. or know of, you know, that had their struggles with uh, addiction and recovery. But, you know, it's it's a nice little catchy song, so you kind of don't really get the seriousness of it. Right. And it's not super heavy or anything, but, you know, I kind of like that with my Libra, you know, thing, to like balance out, you know, a little, a little dark, a little light, you know. Well, and and that's what I was going to say because the song, the vibe of it is a fun rock and roll song, mm-hmm. and then you have those lyrics, like you said, they're the kind of darker. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to go complete darkness and have uh, the girl die at the end, but sometimes <laughs> that happens. Right, right. Too. but uh, you know, I kind of left it up in the air. Right. I did. I just did a video for it. Which uh, will be out someday. Someday. Soon. Someday soon. <laughs> is it is it completed? Uh, almost. Okay. Okay. Now you said um, that he Stevie picked that as the single. Did you want a different song? Were you thinking of something else? No, I'm I'm, I'm easy with this. You know, um, I don't know anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the ones that I thought. With singles, um, well, actually, there was there was one. I'm surprised he didn't pick, but um, he also, uh, you know, he knows his audience and his, uh, you know, his label and his uh, radio station underground garage. They have a very specific audience. You know, they they like the real shit. You know what I mean? They yeah. like soul music. They like early rock and roll, they like British Invasion, they like Psychedelia, you know what I mean? Like the classic, you know, everything from some late 50s, obviously a little Richard Chuck Berry, all that, um, through, you know, Beatles, Stones, Animals, Kinks, yeah. who, you know, and then, you know, it's Temptation, and then, of course, Hendrix and Janice and, and all that, and then, um, hence, Stevie Van Zant's, you know, Purple vibe if you've ever seen him he's always got like these wild cool babushkas you know with like multicolored paisleys and you know he's really into that which is cool yeah um and then uh yeah you know so it's that and then temptations motown soul music you know just the good stuff you know and they kind of draws a line at hard rock so there's i've never heard zeppelin or or 
right, Sabbath, right. Or, you know, because he's on Sirius XM and there are stations. There's like Ozzy's Boneyard is like two stations down, you know, if you yeah. paying for uh, Underground Garage, if you're paying for Sirius XM, you can listen to those stations for that stuff. So he kind of draws the line that, you know, and he'll play, mo- of course, lots of modern bands like myself and uh, who's Wild Side, band from New York, they're really cool. Um, Prima Donna. Um, huh. Yeah, I've been. I've heard a lot of cool new bands on the station. Yeah, because I, you know, I was listening in to see. Uh, I like to see when they play because that was coolest song in the world the week that my single came out. Um, they do this thing on Underground Garage Radio, and um, that's like a highlighted song. They highlight, yeah, yeah they, okay. they play it like every DJ plays it during their set at some point. They, they give it a big fanfare. Now it's time for the coolest song in the world this week. <laughs> nice. You know, Stephen comes down and goes, yeah, now it's time for the coolest song in the world. <laughs> Steve Conti. And then, you know, but after the, uh, after the song's over, you know, it's a hard ending on the song. Ba-da-da-da. And then he goes straight into like my favorite song of all time. She said, she said off the Beatles revolver album. You know, I was thrilled to hear that segue. And then another time he went out of recovery doll straight into, I saw her standing there. Uh And then another time into drive my car, like to hear my song going into Beatles songs, like kind of mind blowing. Cause you know, when I was six years old, you know, that's, yeah. my dream to be anything like the Beatles, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but it's, it's kind of its own little universe, you know, it's like people have specific taste, you know, for what I think is a good taste, not like a, a little niche, like, uh, you know, I don't know, pick your, you know, grind core. I don't know. Some little subgenre, you know what I mean? It's like, we're talking like, I mean, it's it's all. Have you ever listened to the station? I have a little bit. I do have Sirius XM, but like I said, I don't really. When I'm in my car, I'm either listening to you know something off Spotify or another podcast, or I haven't turned on Sirius XM in a while. To be honest with you. Yeah. Well. Anyway, I still pay I'm for it. Do, I'm not trying to do an advertisement <laughs> for underground garage. No, anything, but anyway, I just uh, I think this was all leading up to that. You know, I know the uh, that Stephen knows his audience, and and you know, I think I tap into the audience too because it's a bit classic rock, it's a bit soul, which, you know, which is what I am. Yeah, you know, I'm a bit soul, I'm a bit classic rock, I'm a bit bit punk, not really, but you know what I mean, like a bit New York attitude. Yeah, a little uh, bit there, right? You know, <laughs> um, you know, rock and roll. You know, yeah. Uh, so. It, more so than any other radio station I can think of. I mean, Q104 is great. I have lots of friends that are DJs on Q104. Beautiful people. I, you know, I love the listening to it sometimes, but, you know, it's all stuff we've heard, and it's, you know, just classic rock radio, which yeah, is great, but time. they don't really play any new bands. You know? Yeah. Now, so. did, did you know uh, Stevie before you guys started working together? Well, I met him when I was in the Dolls, because we okay. did... Uh, the underground garage fest on randall's island with the stooges and uh bo diddley nancy sinatra and all that uh-huh, crazy yeah. troop of circus freaks uh <laughs> it was great it was amazing 
Um, he seems then, like a good guy. Uh, and then we did his New Year's Eve live from the Hard Rock in, in Times Square um, that later that year or earlier that year. And um, and then we did his Underground Garage bus tour where we that's from the Super Suckers. Okay. It was New York Dolls, Super Suckers, Chesterfield Kings. We went out for whatever four, three, four months or something. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, he seems like a good guy. I've never, I've, you know, I blew my chance to meet him one time. I was in a band, my band I was in from Florida. We went up to play CBGBs, and we were waiting to go on. And who comes in? Little Steven walks in, and I didn't, I didn't go talk to him. I mean, he was busy talking to people, but um, I ended up not even getting to talk to him. So I, I blew it. Oh well, well, it happens. It- it happens, you know. Uh, I'll never forget. I was in. <laughs> I went to a party with. How uh, did I happen to be there? Oh yeah, I was in London. I was producing an Italian singer in London, and uh, had a, uh, the band was unbelievable. I don't know if you know who Andy Newmark is. I mean, he played with John Lennon, Sly and the Family Stone, ridiculous New York drummer. Uh, he was. He had moved to Brighton, and. Uh, I had was, had the session to produce with this Italian singer, and I was like, oh, this would be a great excuse for me to hire Andy Newmark. He's such a great guy, legendary guy. And then he also, we got uh, Hamish Stewart, who's from, uh, he played with Paul McCartney and the Average White Band. These are just killer players. Uh, I got them to do this session with me. I roped them in <laughs> um, to do this Italian singer session. And, um, and then I ended up staying over uh, do you know who Chris Spedding is? No, I don't. He's a legendary English guitarist. He's played with Ellen John, McCartney, Jack Bruce. Um, most famous for producing the Sex Pistols for its first mm, demos. Okay. And then for being Robert Gordon in the Robert Gordon band, the Rockabilly dude, who I actually play with now. I take over for Chris when he can't make it. Okay. But he's a he's an amazing English guitarist. He's got solo records. He's incredible talent i got him on one cut on my new uh record too um which is coming out in the fall the full length lp that this song comes from recovery doll mm-hmm. um so i stayed over at chris's house and then the next day we went to i know i'm rambling here dude but uh this seems like a good segue at the time uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> <That> <laughs> <works>. <laughs> we i stayed at chris's house and we went to a party the next night which was uh, for uh, the bass player of Pink Floyd, this guy named Guy Pratt, this 50th birthday party. And at the party, was I met David Gilmore. I met. Uh, I actually talked to him, kind of a nice guy. Um, it's sassy. <laughs> kind kind but, of a nice uh, guy. And uh, anyway, you were saying how you blew it with little Steven, right? Yeah. I saw, I, I turned around, I saw Nick Cave. And I was like... I got scared. I mean, <laughs> the dude is so menacing looking. Anyway, I mean, you know who he is? He's got a big eye forehead <laughs> and like a really scary face. And and he's super talented too. I love his stuff. So, uh, you know, it's just like, oh, no, no I, I can't just walk over to the Nick Cave and introduce myself, you know? <laughs> so I know the feeling, bro. Don't worry. It happens to everyone. Oh, man. So you mentioned that you're doing the full length album and that it'll be out in the fall. That's what you said? Yes. Okay. Um, Do we have a title or can you say? That's about all I can tell you for now. Okay. Everything else is under wraps. uh, There'll be uh, probably uh, some more music coming out in between now and then. 
but uh, the full length will hit in the, sometime in the fall. Okay, okay. And then your so, video uh, that you're doing, where are you going to post that on your website, or where can people check that out? Yes, everyone can find me on stevecontynyc.com. That's S-T-E-V-E-C-O-N-T-E-N-Y-C. And uh, also, I think I'm Steve Conti NYC on Facebook, uh, Twitter. It's either that or just my name, Instagram, all the usual suspects. You yeah. Know? That's almost and, a necessary. Uh, I, I do have an email days. list, and, and you can get on your, my email list at my website, too. And I send out all important info there because sometimes the, the Facebook feeds just go by so fast you miss something. And, oh, like, yeah, you know, I, I advertised my new single uh, two weeks ago, whatever it was. And, you know, just today, like, somebody's, oh, do you have a new record out? I think I heard something about it. Like, Dang, man, I, are you, like two weeks ago. So, are, you, are you pretty you know, active? People will, people will get email right in their email box if they sign up for my list from my website. Anyway, are, are, you pretty, are you pretty active on social media? Too active. Yeah, especially when I have something to you know, um, talk about like, you know, mm. a new record. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, usually, you know, I, I post stuff to amuse myself and, and others, you know, uh, periodically, but, yeah. uh, you know, when I have something to really talk about, like, uh, you know, a new video, a new record, whatever, I'm, I'm pretty active. Good. Good. Because, you know, I don't have a team working, but I mean, I do have little Steven's team, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, they're great people to work with. Mm -hmm. uh, Do you think um, releasing in, I mean, did the talk come up to release a single versus release a whole album? You know well, what we're I mean? doing both. No, I know, but you know what I mean? Some people, I hear talk all the time about, well, maybe we should just release singles, that spread them out. And then. Well, yeah. I mean, the last thing I did for Steven was just a single. But yeah, I had thought about doing that with this record, but. Um, Actually, to tell you the truth, when I when I looked at, at the prices of like ten pressing <laughs> ten singles and doing artwork for yeah. ten singles on my own, you know what I mean? Like if I had a label that was going to do it, okay, yeah, yeah. I, it won't make any money for a few years. But, uh, I wanted to spend my own, but uh, you know, I was like, I forget, it, I can't do that. Right. So as much as I mean, if you're going to do digital singles, maybe yeah. Right, you know, right. The yeah. press and do artwork. I mean, it's very involved. I mean, I, I love the single that, that I have. It's on glow in the dark green vinyl. It's uh, it's got this amazing artwork by Rich Jones, my guitar partner in the Mike One Love Band. Yeah, the artwork. And who's also a great art uh, graphic artist. And, who's uh, who's uh, making covers for me? Who's whose um, idea was it for the artwork? The style. It was Rich's. It was Rich's idea. Uh, he said you know, we were like working with, we we're working with definitely with a cartoon like sort of, you know, uh, comic or, well at least draw drawn kind of vibe, not necessarily cartoon or, or comic, but, mm -hmm. um, or people drawn people's faces drawn over kind of thing, and um, we would just weren't getting anywhere, and then he said, wait, you know, I got an idea. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna send you something, and. He sent me that, and I just saw that lettering, and I went, yeah. "Yes, yeah, it's like, awesome." You know, the, uh, like EC Comics, you know, like those sort of horror comics, you know. Yeah, it's got 60s. that old comic book feel. Yeah, 
So, so that was the idea. And then the back cover, I don't know if you saw that, but there's a picture of the photo mm-hmm. of me that was, it was a photo of me that Rich drew over. And um, my uh, guitar tech from Monroe, Bobby Neiman, took it, um, captured a great moment. It looks really cool and cartoony, but actually a, not not a cartoon, but a uh, actual pose, <laughs> an yeah, actual yeah. moment of ours. My yeah, face no, was it's, it, when I was playing. It's awesome. I love it. So we're, glad you like it, man. Thank you. Yeah, where? So you said this is available for purchase on vinyl. Yep, yep. Go to uh, well, if you want vinyl, uh, you can get that at the Wicked Cool Records Bandcamp site, but not signed. Some people have gone there and bought the record and then somehow think that I, I can sign it, but I can't. The only way people can get them signed, which I've been doing, is um, they have to email me at info at stevecontynyc.com and uh, let me know how many records they want and what their mailing address is, and then I can uh, instruct them on how to pay and whatever, how much. And, uh, you know, some people have ordered, like, seven records, and, you know, and then they throw a CD and a T-shirt in while they're at it. Right. Um, right. So, it, you know, the price always changes, so I don't... You know, it's not something I enjoy doing, but if people want signed records, that's the only way they can get them. So, uh, okay. uh, you know, I, I don't love going to the post office with a bag <laughs> over my back and the postal workers like looking at me like, oh, no, here he comes yeah, yeah. with 50 packages <laughs> international going to Japan and, you know, Spain and they're they're all, they're all hoping they don't get you next in line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, all right, brother. Awesome. Are we, uh, how are we doing? Yeah, no, we're good, man. I mean, that was good. I love talking to you. That was great. I appreciate you coming on. I know we've been trying to... <laughs> we first started communicating almost a year ago, I think. All right. Well, I'm glad we could finally hook it up. Yeah, yeah. Please so, tag me in the uh, when you post. Yeah, I will. I will. And I will email you the links and uh, all that fun stuff. Yeah, I have, uh, I have Apple Music, so I can... And I have the podcast app, so if you're there... I can grab the episode too. Right yeah. From there, just when it's out. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be there. Um, okay. All right, Steve. All right, mate. Well, thanks Take again, care, buddy. Brother.